This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Gary Husband. A lot of us know Gary from his extensive work with the amazing and visionary guitar player Alan Holdsworth. Gary also plays keyboards with people like John McLaughlin and Billy Cobham. But for close to four decades, Gary has worked alongside a vast and eclectic range of celebrated musicians, including Jeff Beck, Jack Bruce, Gary Moore, the band Level 42, Al Jarreau, Mike Stern, Chris Squire, Andy Summers, Steve Hackett, Robin Trower, just to name a few. He's also worked with producers like Sir George Martin, Trevor Horn, and Quincy Jones. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years. And no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. Often when I'm trying to prepare for an interview, I can find other interviews that other podcasts have done and in our drum click network we have mike dawson's drum candy and sarah hagan's backstage and they both recently had interviewed gary on their shows and so it was great to go and listen to what those guys covered and uh, lay some groundwork for me in preparation for what i wanted to talk about but I encourage you to go back and check out Sarah's interview and Mike's interview. Mike gets into the weeds with Gary's gear, and it's very cool. And with Sarah, there's a familiarity with Gary that's just uh, really fun and interesting, gives a little bit more in-depth with Gary's background. So I encourage you to check those two podcasts out in our DrumClick network. But I hope you enjoy this conversation with one of my heroes, Gary Husband. In your conversation with Sarah, you brought up John Von Olin. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about your experience seeing him uh, for the first time, that impact uh, to you? Uh, and did you mm-hmm. ever get a chance to meet him you know, personally on a professional level? Um, to be honest, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of, I, I never saw him first, I should establish, but I did see a TV program. Um, okay. A, a film performance by him. Right. And, and it's the one you can find on YouTube these days too. And it was, it was to say that it was uh, what colossally that it was, you know, that it was even colossally impactful on me. And then, and the impression it, it laid on me was, was so big mm-hmm. um, w- would be an under a drastic understatement because it, it really changed my, it was life changing for me yeah. literally. And because in that moment, I saw him something of uh, extra to 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 being a drummer, something um, extended uh, from the, the simple fact that he was he was there playing drums in a big band, and I was already already familiar and loved the genre of big band players in general. Um, but he had something. Uh, really quite unique he 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 seemed to sort of break off with a with a style that 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 kind of made sense to me to later get to know that he was a trombone player i think first yeah yeah i read that that was interesting yeah that before so he was 
he was more a part of all the phrasing. In fact, I think he'd take a lead sheet for from either first trombone or, or first trumpet. Yeah. And drum part would just come instinctively. But he, if, if he had any charts, he'd just ask for a lead sheet from um, from from either of the lead players of of the, of the brass section. So, um, and I thought, wow, and, and and that really kind of woke me up um, to to something, you know, because I was coming from the piano side of things. So mm-hmm. I already had quite quite a kind of wide induction into music and. And 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 going from piano a little bit toying with the idea of drums. This was getting wider by the minute, and, and seeing that guy, it it really um, it really set me off. It you know, and and uh, just just to jump a f- quite a few years ahead, um, a good few years ago now, um, I had the impulse to 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 want to try and get in touch with him somehow, just to tell him what he did. Yeah. And uh, and to and to thank him, yeah. Uh, basically, because um, uh, I mean, it was so impactful on so many. And I did find him. Sorry, I'm jumping kangarooing no, around here. Great, but when yeah. I I did find a, a, some kind of contact to him, and he was at Cincinnati University's teaching yeah. yes. or something. Yeah. And um, and that's great. And I'd already heard from a few sources, few musicians that I knew. That, that knew what a little bit of an oddball he was, you know. I, th- I think he was a kind of country guy, yeah. and he and he really wanted out of the touring scene quite early in his life, which which is another surprising thing, in a way, to consider. But uh, but also his 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 unique um, presence, really, and and certainly in terms of feeling. Uh, this it, it, it um, you know, apart from the fact that you know, I've got to think that there's got to be a a different kind of a guy behind that, you know. Plus, he had this rebellious sound. I mean, everybody else was into John Bonham. I I looked at John Bonham and thought, great, you know, yeah. fantastic. But John uh, von Olden had a sound as big as John Bonham. He did. I mean, we're talking about a slimy bass drum, twenty four. Yeah. You know, 13 by 9, 16 by 16. And he was already a big guy, and he still looked gigantic behind those drums, you know. Such a fusion and, with, with rock and this, and driving. It was and, yeah. somehow, yeah. He was mm-hmm. definitely a product of that, I guess, of that early 70s thing, you know, in a way. Plus these extra extra size symbols which he had, which which just went along to... To even greatly more exaggerate the, the the hugeness of his sound. So, so all in all, I just wanted to tell John how uh, I was just bowled over and never the same since that, and, and what it what it went on to make me do. Yeah. Even, even even to the fact, um, if if you listen to John back in those days with the band, not to not to go on about it too long, but he, he had two two whole heads on his bass drum, and they were both ch- tuned down. Uh, there was no damping in it at all. Mm. If you hear, because you can tell when he when he goes real soft and just just touches like the little touches behind a you know a quiet section, and the bass drum sounds, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just I mean that got me. <laughs> it was like this kind of impending, oh, what's going to happen? Of course, and it, and when it did deliver, he'd stomp on that thing so hard. Let me turn this, please, off. Um, that uh, you, you, uh, if you're listening to it with headphones, you, you'd almost jump out of your chair. It was, but it was. You see, man, it was about the intent. Mm. It was about what he delivered and the way he did it that just got me and filled me with such not only exhilaration and you know because I wasn't really into chops ever mm. too much except that they facilitated what what we do you know stan kenton w- w- had a uh, very cinematic uh sound yes. to it yeah and um i i had uh the the, the privilege of working with a trombone player that was in stan kenton's band and worked with john von olin and um there were so many examples that i was given as a young player like listen yeah. to this and i would hear somebody 
play a drum fill with a crash cymbal, not with the players, but incorporate that into the sound and um, oh yeah, the it, it, as he was arranging the parts, you know, in 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 a sense, you know, that's yeah. what drummers do. We we are arrangers. We are you know yes composers and and you know not just providing this rhythm, but we have this sonic palette from the very low to the very high and. Yeah, he was one of the first players. As oh, I mean, gosh, in, in the in the jazz genre, that was introducing these rock elements to me to my young ears, saying, mm -hmm. "Wow, I can do this," mm -hmm. and I don't have to play quiet. I don't have to play. Everything has to be uh, in the jazz dynamic, but I can employ my influences. You know, yeah, as a rock player, yeah. But yeah. no, I just I just found when when you came up in conversation with uh, with Sarah, I was uh, yeah. I just I was like, oh wow, <laughs> I haven't heard that name for a while, and unfortunately, yeah, he passed oh, away. You know, in twenty eighteen. I know, I know he did. But but did you see that? Just just two extra things to that 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 he recorded a piano album, um, or rather, he released a very old recording of of piano compositions. That, really that he that he'd written yeah way back in whenever it was and and somebody had got behind it thank you whoever it was and they spoke to john and there's a filmed interview um with john mm -hmm. one of the one of the only ones in existence i, th I think you know to just to actually see and get to speak and stuff and um and he was talking about uh, the whole process of writing that material which he, he wrote and and played freshly reading from the original scores from decades ago and recorded this material as, and, and on piano. And I had no idea about that. That's amazing. And, and, the, and the other thing just to mention was an extension to the, to the bass drum thing. Uh, uh, I really wanted to also get in touch, which would, uh, and ask him if I could send him something. Um, and he gave me a, an address and, uh, and, and he called me back when he'd heard it. But what I was actually sending him was, um, I don't know if you know Alan Holdsworth, the, the guitarist. Of course, of course. <laughs> Everybody knows Alan, yes. Uh, but we, we, I had so many years with him, and and yeah. throughout the eighties, there was a, there was a particular kind of which I call the the mid eighties, which I call the sort of art period a little bit, mm -hmm. in the way he was writing and the, and the way he was encouraging and liberating me to sort of really think out of the box as far as drum contributions went, and really be really creative. Uh, with that and take liberties with that mm. and um, uh, one of the things was to I said well I want to record my bass from like John Von Allen <laughs> so I I, I got um, I, I put you know I guess I was playing like a uh, 20, uh, 22 by 18 or whatever was the stock size back then um, so two full 22 inch heads and we, we actually built a tunnel um, for the microphone to be situated at whatever point from the front head, the the, the ringing head out front, um, to uh, that that sounded great and really caught the 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 after sort of ripple tone of the of the drum ringing like that. Mm -hmm. And we didn't we didn't even you know that we didn't even use any gates or anything on it. We just got a really good placement for uh, for that microphone at the back I don't know, can't remember what mic we used but it really paid off and we also like the the the, the drum from um, the beta side too the pedal wow, side wow wow and we got a great blend and it and it was it was almost like just it was almost John's bass drum from the Stan Kenton days <laughs> and and that was an, on on an album called Sand yeah, and, and I'm I'm on two tracks of that mm -hmm. and if you ever get to hear that you'll you'll, yep. you'll recognize I'm sure can, you can you can you tell us what 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 tracks those were on sand? Yeah, the the, the, the it was the first track, the title track called Sand, mm -hmm. and uh, the third track. Um, I was about to say on side one. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I love it. Um, oh man, terrible, getting old. Um, <laughs> and it's the third, and then the third track, which I think is called. Uh, oh man, it's one of the what he called one of his kids it was a nickname for his kids pudwood of course pudwood. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my introduction to you is through Alan. Um, You know, uh, when I was working in Columbus, uh, one of my coworkers was bringing in IOU and and, uh, metal fatigue, and uh, I just, his tone, his guitar tone just really resonated with me. Um, again, just bridging that gap between my jazz and my rock influences and everything. I just, and then when your DVD came out, was it 97, (laughs) I believe we would always have those playing in the store. And I, I, and, and it just gave me more insight to your influences. Um, and, um, and to hear it's like, Oh, what a, what a wide range. And of course the performances to see you with Alan and and stuff was just really great. But I wanted to ask you about your piano playing. I've been playing in a band with with John McLaughlin for, for quite a long time called the fourth dimension where I'm principally keyboardist, but also go to the drums twice in the night. Yeah. Uh, and, And people think it's, Oh, wow. You know, yeah, I can, I mean, it's all very nice when people, say kind things and I, and I guess it is a spectacle when somebody moves from one instrument on the stage and picks up another one and and, and, and particularly when it's drums you know our our drums thing and and of course it, it it's got a kind of spectacular thing yeah because it's because it's drums isn't it it's our it's our thing but um in actual fact the transition physically going from one to the other has 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 really required a lot of work to 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 try and I'm tempted to say hone uh, because because in in a couple of seconds if you if you consider actually what's going on there we're already you know a good four tunes in before I get to play the, that first section on drums mm. um, uh, and I'm kind of played in on piano you know like when you get on stage and uh, you know there are different degrees sometimes you can feel more comfortable right off and you feel oh I'm into this great. You know, I'm in the sea and I'm there, you know, and it's and it's all comfortable. And it feels great. Other nights feels not so uh, natural. And, and it's almost trying to find a balance between pushing it, but not too much to constrict it. You know what I mean? All these kind of like uh, attitudes to to yourself must, you know, posture wise and how you're feeling and, and the work we try to do and just be relaxed on on the inside but obviously not on the exterior because yes. it's very physical music yeah and it's not exactly dainty music with john so <laughs> 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 and and the thing but the thing about all of this is the 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 slightly easier transition to make is going to the drums in the first place and playing because i actually feel like playing yeah but our principal drummer ranjit barot has been playing all night yeah, and you know, up to that point, and he's well greased and well oiled. You know, right. I mean, he's red, he's yeah. red hot by this point. So I've got to play with him, man, and be that hot. Yes, I, I mean, and of course, uh, that's a hard transition to to not just play drums, but actually play drums like full on. Do you do you anything know, without... before the performance? To no, no, I, I'm mainly working on my piano classical things where you raise each finger you know for, for it's it's for classical pianists you know yeah and 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 the drums i just accept well it's going to be what it will be and and uh that that element uh you know they talk about do or die <laughs> which it really is it feels like it you you get on there and say well i've got to make something happen out of this you yeah know? yeah and uh sometimes it's easier than the, than others but but i will play my spell on drums which invariably means a bit of a solo first and then some trading <coughs> excuse me and then make my way back to piano and this is the mother of hard transitions really because because of the fact i've gotten drums and i'm playing with no warm-up fallout i'm pretty tense by the time i leave that drum kit yeah. And in about four seconds, I'm right back at the keyboard station. So I devised for myself just a way of, um, as soon as I put those sticks down on the drums, I finish, make my way down to the piano really fast. I've got this, this relaxation through, I feel my hands completely relaxed and that they're able to, I'm able to coax them. That's quite a good, verb or whatever it is <laughs> and uh 
literally coax them and and talk to them and say please come back for piano and mm. and i'm feeling a thing back here and and actually it really works man you know it it uh, it reminds me a lot of the sort of affirmational work that we can do on ourselves sometimes just to 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 aid our you know bettering our chances at achieving something or or maybe even getting well you know and and these kind of things but i think you can kind of um the there are different kind of relaxation techniques that that can take place and once you practice them quite a lot this whole kind of concentrating on each part of the body and stilling it down and ridding yourself of the tension can take place in like it's really that fast. Where did you learn this? Is there a, is there a book? Is there someone you've if have you sought this technique out? It's the uh, meditation teacher. Yeah. And and it was all about slowing everything down. Yes. Um, to the point where you can, uh, but but you've got to get in that place. You've got to arrive at your station. Where are you going to sit to get into this reflective, meditative state? And and there's. There are certain techniques just for a ritual of actually slowing everything down, like, you know, pretty quite akin with what I'm doing from the drums to the keyboards there. Yeah. And uh, uh, just um, in that place of slowing everything and relaxing everything, I'm now so practiced at it that I can do it. And as I say that, whoosh, and it's there. Yes. And I'm back. Yeah. And, and that, that's, that's, that was kind of, a, I surprised myself with that accomplishment. I mean, it's. I didn't invent it. I, I actually borrowed it from the meditational teachers. Mm -hmm. But uh, it works, man. It works. Thank I you. Love that. God. I love that. <laughs> I, I love all these elements of the of the away from the drum set, away from the practice pad, of mm -hmm. of getting in touch with uh, aspects of our being that can attribute to great performances, uh, great interaction with our instrument and our fellow musicians and, and, and everything in between that kind of gets us closer to where we want to be in that moment. There's so yes. many elements that yeah. can interfere with that. Uh, diet, sleep, stress, travel, mm -hmm. uh, and it's amazing to think about, okay, you have a 45-minute show, a 90-minute show, a two-hour show, whatever, to be at peak performance and um, it, it, you never know what's going on before and after that that moment. And so to to fine tune that, and to understand yeah. you know all the things you can do, understanding meditation and relaxation and stretching, just all those things, I find very fascinating. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I mean, anything that can really forward us and make us more successful of what about what our endeavor is and what our what we feel to do very much and, and aim to do in the best way that we can cultivate to do it. Uh, you know, any of these techniques, if we, we, we try things and try things and try things until, uh, and, 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 and it's such a, a great thing when, when they can aid us properly yes. and, and effectively and uh, help us, you know? It's yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It certainly doesn't hurt us in other aspects of life. No, not at all. <laughs> it's wonderful because you know, in, in the bargain, you get this, uh, you get this bigger sense of what we're, what we are actually as beings. You know, there, there's yeah. a, there's a funny kind of you, you can feel, uh, mm, you can feel all all kinds of things, which uh, yeah, it's wonderful, really wonderful. Yeah, what a, and what a beautiful relationship that we have with music that that we have this back and forth that it that yeah. serves our spirits and if we can uh, yes. somehow uh, keep those channels open so that we can receive mm. that um, that that that's a give and take that allows the performance to happen, especially in, in a in a genre where improvisation is is a key component. Yeah, you know. Yeah. That that's an, that's another. I'm I'm about to do some streaming, little tuitionals, maybe some some what do they call them webinars? Yeah, mm -hmm. um, where I can go on, and I'm going to do a series on improvisational piano. Um, Wonderful. And uh, you know, I mean, there are there are many hundreds, thousands, millions of musicians who are very much on their way and secure with how they are in the improvisational fields and doing really well and achieving great things. But a lot of people. Um, 
a lot of people are full of mystery and hangups about it. And I'd like to kind of like demystify certain things and also introduce things that, that uh, sometimes when you've, you, you've been living quite a few years, <laughs> you, you can cultivate, you know, I can go right back to my classical piano days and, and get things that really stood me in great stead as a pianist, um, certain exercises. And she was really good, this uh, lady, uh, piano teacher I had. I mean, she was brutal and cruel, but um, she'd get a she'd get her points across by sort of lashing insults oh at my me gosh. and trying to show me up and you know embarrass me. Uh, but that's all right. That's all part of the deal. It's the old school way. That I is guess. wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> but but, but you, you can yeah. But, but yeah, those stuff. There are absolute jewels from her that that she gave me. Yeah, even more than than than. The delivery of uh, producing sound on a piano with some of these some of these jewels that she she gave me in terms of uh, of setting up and 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 maintaining and and looking after and maintaining a, a good access to to your inner abilities technically and uh, and preparing for like a classical recital or something. I mean these these were heavy heavy lessons, so I can pass some of those on. Yeah, and. Um, and in conjunction with the slowing down, this can really aid performances and attitudes to to something. Because the last thing we really want to do in a musical situation, you 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 just picked up on, you know, introduced that then when you were talking about improvisational setting. Of course, you're in the world of the unknown, and when you we have a tendency to panic a little bit when it's the unknown of like, what what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> Particularly when somebody else has played a fantastic solo and you know, what am I going to do okay, now? Well, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, that kind of feeling. And, um, and really, uh, I want to start engaging stuff at the onset of anxieties like that to blast it out. And uh, um, I, I want celebration of this girl or guy solo um and uh and i'd like to add a further commentary on that and be involved with spontaneous information that i can arrive at not through constricting it through tension which is so often the killer yes tension oh my gosh yes yeah but not not on, not on here with muscles but here oh in you your know, brain you say you're pointing it's like so, yeah. So for our listeners, you're 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 looking at your head. You're see the restriction, the stre the, the the tension from our from our thoughts. Yeah. And, yeah. Literally the cramming up inside. Mm -hmm. And 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 the and the and of course as a result of the the anxiety which you're feeding every minute by thinking how can I follow that, or you're feeding every minute by how daunting and exposing it is. Like what happens if I, you know. Play. Well, a great lesson is there aren't any wrong notes because it's improvised. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Holdsworth used, used to say that, hey, man, you know, we, we do a jam in the studio. It's totally improvised. There aren't any wrong notes, are there? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, and also yeah. one of the benefits of learning to meditate or the practice of meditation is being kind to yourself. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, the uh, the goal in meditation is is letting go and it's really hard to do that and so yeah, one of yeah. the um, mantras in meditation is when that thought comes into your peripheral you kindly so, let it go yeah <laughs> and you don't get mad at yourself for letting that thought come into play no. let no. it go and refocus and therein lies that lesson of of the the tension and the stress that we feel sometimes on stage for of the variety of reasons we've been discussing and how yeah. how do you employ that same forgiveness of you know let it go mm. you have that stress mm. don't beat yourself up mm. but keep keep moving you know and yeah. find that inner peace to to be able oh. to perform oh that's so good very good i'm glad you brought that up man that's that's a great point to make yeah on your video casts uh, are are you I mean, you're covering a wide range of things on your website, and people can access the video cast. You can make these purchases, and it's everything from style and analysis of Alan Holdsworth to warming up mm. to improvisation, 
independence rock. I mean, you, you're you're covering just a beautiful range of things. Oh, thanks. Um, I I love it. Uh, it, it yeah. What was the inspiration for 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 doing that? Uh, well, uh, part of the impetus for it to want to to want to go ahead and do that was that I never really had a um a uh, educational product on the market um that I could be proud of. I mean, you were kind very kind to me, to mention uh, the the video I did many many years ago back in the nineties. But uh, in actual fact, this was not really representative of what I wanted to do at all. Gotcha. It was just representative of whoever edited it and the kind of video they wanted to make, which was basically highlighting all the uh, guest superstars, you know, which is fair enough. I, I understand you've got to sell tickets and make sales and stuff, but um, the, the more important to me was that the, the, the integrity of, of behind the whole script of, of what I wanted to say on that video was to never made it, oh, <laughs> unfortunately. Wow. So, and, and, and a lot of the performances I was kind of critical of too, because we, lit we literally did them all in the studio, one after another, bang, 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 bang. As soon as we could change the gear around and bring new musicians in. And that's what it was like. So, I mean, I, I think in a situation like that, you have to sort of go back and see the runs of, of what materialized and be a little bit selective about what actually wasn't that happening about some of those performances and use the better part of them and, um, uh, you know, make and make more uh, of an intelligent kind of production of it yeah. based on how good it is, basically. It was all a big gamble. It could have all been terrible, but it wasn't all terrible. No. But no. It, it could have been a much better um, educational tool. So I think in many years, in the many years since pre previous uh, that, that followed, I was um, feeling like I, actually I could be useful educationally, um, but more, even more so um, in the on the motivational side a little more. And and if I could, the the, the widening, which is what you touched upon when you mentioned the video cast, because I, I wanted I wanted people to see that that. It was the one guy behind all these, and and it was a uh, and it was really out of experiences into going into all of these musical worlds, and taking what I could of them, and and accept and uh, reaping the 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 benefits that each one of them, you know, offered, and uh, and 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 having those evident inside of the rich, you know, wide musical conception if you like from and and ways of applying yourself and being versatile and and yeah. being um and, and having the the benefit of being quite worldly and wide in music which i which i think is the best kind of musician to strive to be i mean not for everybody it was for me that's all and and yeah. I, and then I, I would just like to be as informed as possible like i went to see a a, a fantastic concert of north indian classical music the other night and I saw your I post. Saw I saw your post. Oh, it, looked, it looked amazing. Oh, I, it was absolutely. You know, I found two new favorite drummers in the Marie Dangum and the tablet player, and um, and the whole thing was just uh, so musically invigorating and renewing, and and it, it, it lifted people so much. You know, and reminding me of the of the true strengths and advantages and. And opportunities we have as musicians to to really enrich people's lives and strengthen them and lift them, and that's to me that's a beautiful thing. If I can get a group of four notes on piano that just say something yeah. in a particular way that it's said, you know, there was an old film. Sorry to skip around all the time. Yeah, please, but it just things things just pop into my head the <laughs> schizophrenia thing going on was it was a japanese film it's called maestro and it was about an old retired um conductor japanese conductor and it was all in japanese but there were english subtitles and uh, i was i was on a plane and i watched this uh, and it was tr it was like a bunch of kids who who formed a kind of cooperative to try to bring this teacher who had been let go through like cuts and the budget cuts and everything and the whole school orchestra had gone but but the by now growing up 
um, uh, you know, uh, pupils that were took uh, their place in the orchestra had formed this co cooperative to try to bring him out of the abyss of this misty kind of semi-retired state he was in. And he, yeah. you know, his hair was like, like Grizzly Adams and he'd grown a big white beard and <laughs> he was like chopping up wood. And <laughs> and he was kind of like a transformed man, you know, he'd, he'd yeah. gone back to the roots of everything. And, uh, and they got him and they got him back and they got him back to, and he was a bit of a genius figure, this guy, you know. He could cultivate. He had that special knack of getting things out of people they didn't know that they had. Mm. Very special. It's like Miles Davis or something. Yes. You know, you can just know, you just know what buttons to press. You have that way with people. You can just get them to do something and transcend what, even what they all thought they were in the, capable of in the first place. And uh, he said one little message to, to one of those pupils once the orchestra had reestablished he said, you know, music is, a musical note lasts uh, in terms of, uh, of duration no longer than a heartbeat. Yet, if you find a note and play it with such conviction and, and such uh, uh, meaning and convey that to a listener, that moment will stay with them their whole lives that's amazing and i was on the plane man and i was just like cracking up <laughs> I, I i was just in tears and the flight attendant was going are you okay sir you know would you, would you like some coffee or something i said no you're bringing me tissues yeah <laughs> yeah i was absolutely lost it because it was so profound and yet it was so right it was so what i felt yeah. anyway it was just that it was just a particularly strong actor and he conveyed it with such, it was the, it was the, the little spoken phrase of the movie mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. what an amazing thing. And, and that's really when you feel that you've arrived at something and, and that you're making impressions, not only to, to give people lift, uh, people a lift and, and, and inspire people and give people a greater time in the audience, but also to inspire fellow mu musicians, yes. brothers and sisters on stage with you. It's just a fantastic. In your experience with the movie, you, 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 you said something that, that reminded me of something you had said before with your experiences throughout the years with the different artists that you played with and mm. the, the opportunities and experiences that working with someone like Alan or John um, expose mm. you to these their vision and gave you um, the ability to um, grow as a musician. And so, mm. um, I mean, I've been I've been a, a, a fan of I've been listening to Alan Holdsworth for over you know over thirty years. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I would be remiss not to ask you about your friendship with him, how mm. you guys met, your first interaction, uh, um, and oh. and and some of that. Uh, well, uh, I I was actually serving my notice. I'd been fired from a, <laughs> from a, a jazz rock band I was playing with in London at that time, and. Um, they said, well, you can have the rest of this week, which we were at Ronnie's, uh, Ronnie Scott's for the week. He said, well, we'll, we'll do this Ronnie Scott's week and then you, you're done. Thank you. You know, Wow. and, and I don't blame them. And I was, you know, 17 and I was uh, probably playing uh, way more than required or necessary. And um, in fact, I can probably guarantee that I was, but um, <laughs> yeah. But the thing was, um, I think it was must have been the penultimate light night of the the, the week's uh, engagement, and um, Alan had come into the club. Like a friend of mine alerted to it when we, alerted me to it when I came off with Jack Bruce, and he mm -hmm. he'd wow. uh, he'd he'd come in because at that time they were working on a trio between them. Um, uh, Alan and Jack and John Heisman, the British drummer, if you may remember his name. And John was married to Barbara Thompson, who was the leader of the band I'd been fired from. <laughs> so it was like Barbara had fired me. And uh, and we kind of 
played the night and it was kind of a funny feeling in the band because of all this. And in fact, myself and the bassist were fired, like okay. as, as if we were co-conspirators. You know? <laughs> hey, but you know, as bass players and drummers good. usually are. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in this instance, we didn't get away with it. So, but the thing is, it, it's you look back and in retrospect, and you can see, you know, actually, it gave way to a better form for Barbara and and John, who left Alan and Jack. And went with his wife's band, Paraphernalia, the, the one I was fired from. Mm-hmm. And uh, because Alan said, uh, I'm, I'm totally blown away with your playing. <laughs> really? You know, I can't imagine what I did. Uh, but he just, he said, I want that spirit. I want that spirit. Yeah. I want to play with, you know, I want to play with you. Can we play? And I'm going, well, hmm, I don't know. I don't think I have to, uh, you know, I'll see if I have a free moment in my diary. <laughs> I say, of course I want to play with you. Yeah. You know, and, and any, I'll play with you anywhere. And um, he said, oh man, that, that'd be really, really cool. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to set up a studio and uh, just take it for the afternoon and uh, we'll just have a go. And I thought, oh, great, just guitar and drums, you know. And that's, in, in actual fact, I got there really early, set up my kit, which at the time was a small Gretsch. And um, uh, and then I found that other musicians had been invited. And uh, people were sort of falling into sort of um, li- little riffs that, that weren't amazingly happening. I mean, there were lots of good musicians there, but... It, this was the thing for me <laughs> as far as I was concerned you know I, like I just wanted to make him really feel something from that and achieve something in myself that, that you know that uh, hopefully confirmed his um, his impressions of me and um, the thing was we, we, we kind of started playing and whenever it got to the guitar solo these other guys stopped playing mm. I guess because uh, I was always into this, you know, because it's the way America was always my American drummers were really, you know, I was watching them and listening to them constantly mm. since I was able to work out how to play a record, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it really comes from your fabulous land there, um, and uh, I loved them. I lo- I loved the, the abandon of them, the conviction of them, the the you know the sureness of the message and the you know didn't really experience that in uh music from other parts of the world quite as much but then of course I'm, i was young and didn't realize certain subtleties and <laughs> you know differences but the thing was we we took off and just went to orbit every time it was a guitar solo so i was into this thanks to all the drummers that inspired me a very very interactional way of playing and I couldn't have been more interactional. I, I couldn't have been interactional enough for him. He wow. wanted okay. he wanted real um, uh, activity through the drums and and a lot of sort of uh, being provocative and 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 you know this is this is quite insightful of Alan because he was really wasn't a natural leader in terms of. Uh, uh, telling people what to do, which he would refuse to do. Interesting. He'd let them on their own to, and he'd let me completely free. Please just do what you want. Mm-hmm. Do what you hear, you know. Mm-hmm. And he either liked it or he didn't. And if you heard back from him, he liked it. You know, <laughs> life was sort of extremely simple, really, in his terms. And um, and he'd, he'd kind of find a way of letting you know. But the funny thing about going back to the first session is that when we'd go into this improvisational thing i could really feel a circle going around from me into him to right through me mm-hmm. and back again and just these meeting points these waves <clears throat> and to concentrate more on it i guess we just both had eyes closed but then we eventually woke out woke up from this completely dizzying frenetic experience of playing together to find that all the musicians had packed up all their gear and gone, you know, <laughs> at some point, and we had no idea when they'd gone. So, can, can, can are you getting an impression of how transporting it was? I mean, it it was just like I that's amazing. I found, uh, yeah, it was like this guy, you know, of course, who I knew from all the records, 
he'd find a way to tap into me and really set me free. And yeah. um, and it was, of course, just a, a total blessing. And that um, was a it was a chance meeting, and um, and it set up for so many years, thirty seven or so years, yeah, of getting together and playing all the time. So it was really something. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I understand there's a one of the records is a lot of uh is a rehearsal or is recordings of a rehearsal. Is that is that just some sort of legend? Uh, I, th I think you're alluding to to what what how Alan would talk about the the album, uh, the first solo album. In fact, that was his Velvet Darkness, and narrator Michael Walden was there on drums. And, okay. Uh, Alan Pascoe from the Lifetime Band and yeah. Alfonso Johnson played bass. Okay. And uh, apparently, uh, you know, Creed Taylor put out the album. Basically, he wasn't happy with it. And, you know, I thought it was a really good album, but compositionally, it wasn't the most amazingly realized or produced. Certainly not a, a great production either. Okay. But it was some great music played by great people. But, but he would down this album for years saying oh he just they just recorded all the rehearsals interesting and, um, okay okay yeah no it wasn't so i mean they they, they all saw the recording light on they, they knew what was they knew <laughs> i mean alan was very very unhappy at the time and i remember uh narada said to him why don't you just walk out you know if you're not happy with what's been recorded just stop it now you know stop the sessions and he didn't so Live with it, man. <laughs> right. Well, you, know? you know, I just wonder, you know, I, I, I heard that on about one of the records that, uh, you know, just from, you know, whether it was IOU or, or, or something. And, oh, no. No, no. Okay, mm -hmm. great. I mean, and not we're not here to dispel myths or anything like that, but I was just kind of mm. curious how that, if that um, was in fact the case. But, um, well. Oh, I, no. Yeah. yeah no. I want to talk about this new record. Okay, sir. So, uh, just really been enjoying it. Um, I've been turning on oh, some uh, musician friends of mine. Oh, wow. The Trackers is the band, the record, Vaudeville 845. Yeah. Um, this was a, um, is this, is this a COVID project? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, it wasn't, you know, we, we didn't plan for it. Who plans for COVID? Right. My God. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. That's was, another podcast. Was, <laughs> yeah. This, oh, man. Yeah. Or series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, the, you know, we, we'd, we'd been plotting and bouncing the idea and, and a number of musical ideas around for quite a few uh for quite a time before the the covid hit it's just that we we, we decided on a particular time to to actually do it and and at, at the point we considered when the material was right of which um probably more of which alf terry hana my my co-conspirator now i like that yes <laughs> uh was responsible for uh and i've got about three compositions and two arrangements of covers on there but anyway um we when we we it was pretty obvious to us that that we had a pretty good program and and overview of um of what we were achieving or what we were seeking to sort of uh, you know put across in in the track selection we had so it was time to just record so um there there was kind of like a mock up by by Alf um, uh who'd sort of programmed some percussive things um and he just sent me those and we uh, uh we started working on uh, routining for these and producing them and uh, i had about two days really uh there were single days about a month apart okay uh, to do all the drums so yeah. which which um leads me to say it's just like there's a lot of humor on the record if you see because <laughs> It's the actual record, <laughs> and that's that's like Pro Tools, and you see all these lines there. Anybody who knows Pro Tools, it's like all edit marks, exactly. And what, yeah, and and the humor behind that, and actually the the the, the wisdom behind that, uh, and the testament behind that was that uh, these were two takes of things that I didn't think I had, and uh, with all the pieces 
I was really approaching them with with only an essence of an idea, nothing determined to what I was actually going to do to the tracks. Yeah. Um, and and a couple of them just, I was just too tired. I was just too fried. And uh, sort of the end of the day ones, and I just didn't feel like they, I got them. And Al said, "Just send me the files anyway. Send me what you've got." You know. And he did a he did like a mock up. Yeah, for me, if uh, one was the, the the very last track, the the uh, living time, mm-hmm. the George Russell track, um, with the big heavy ongoing riff, you know, pretty supercharged and stuff. But I just didn't feel I, I got it at all. But there were certain parts of it that I did get, mm-hmm. and um, and he did a marvelous job of. Um, of like mocking up a part and and that that was the extent of work he he did <laughs> so we decided to take a screenshot and i said why don't we put that on the album cover so that's, that's, we did yeah and uh, and yeah. it's just sometimes you think you've got nothing but in in the hands of somebody with some with some vision and some uh skill in pro tools and stuff uh producer stuff because he's got his own bands and stuff and yeah. uh he's very very au fait with that sort of way of working no, I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I the one of the things that I enjoy about, especially modern, more modern recordings, is the sonic mm. quality that mm. uh, you're able to achieve with, with a lot more ease these days. Even though you were like to get the drum sounds you wanted, you had to go to a proper studio and 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 do this. Yeah, and, and um, yeah access to to recording anywhere is is there but still having the the room to capture the sound that you've worked so hard on uh Mm. over the years with from your hands to the tuning to everything in between um to capture that in the right element uh Mm. is appreciated uh by those of us that are that are hearing it oh that's really appreciated back because we we really wanted a good good it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, Probably, there's you know, shooting for it. There's performance. There's there's groove. There's melody. There's oh, then mm. there's the sound, the sonic, the, all those things we're looking for. You know that give us that uh, that mm. feedback as a listener. Well, let me ask you though, uh, because I know you guys performed these guitar and and drums and sent these off to multiple bass players. Yeah, which, which <laughs> I, I just I love that. Yeah, that was a great game we had going there, yeah. Some of them, some of the songs, I feel like the bass player was carrying the melody, a strong role in the melody, or the riff. Yeah. How much instruction, was there instruction given to any of these guys? Or Not much. I mean, Alf doesn't really tend to write anything out in notation form, so... Uh, I would really sort of write out um, uh, a kind of a base guide, if you like, uh, okay. you know, to to really define the tonality of and the movement and the routine of the song. Yeah. And I said, you know, go for go with you know, play with me, play with him, do do what you want. And and really, the the there were particular ones that there there are no winners on that. It was all glorious performances by unique different people yes you know from track to track which is which i thought was kind of like a a neat idea it's cohesive though it is it is cohesive yes Mm -hmm. i know it it does have that and in the hands of uh, jimmy was the first one jimmy johnson Mm because there are two jimmys on bass um and he just took uh he took liberties He, he decided to sort of clone the guitar melodies for sections that he he heard that being appropriate and that was not specified by Alf and definitely not by me. And, uh, you know, the track, I think it's called Deep Stepping, the track with a big, big riff. And then it goes into a kind of John Von Olen kind of low burn. Yes, 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 yes. You might have noticed that the yes. bass drum is yeah. <laughs> singing away there. Thank you, John. Hey, I love and, you. Uh, You're bringing it all back. I love it. Thank yes. you. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> See, he, he, he's, he's still there, man. He's, he's still, still there. Still there, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and Jimmy just filled it out in this immaculate kind of conception of, of the way to play divine bass on, as he does on everybody's record, <clears throat> and the same with all of them, really. I mean, the the they all just uh, shone in their 
in their respective particular ways and and really gave the music something truly from them and uh, it wasn't dependent i mean it wasn't a reaction from anything you know if anything i just say this it doesn't quite go to the either do you think you could <laughs> just patch up those you know like little comments insofar as you know what what happened just note wise uh but everything else was perfect like meant to be Amazing. Yeah, and I think when people hear this, if they haven't heard it, you'll you'll understand what I'm saying. When you know, Alf has oftentimes this is his guitar tone isn't always, or or his uh, melodies are sometimes just stabs or a mm -hmm. um, just a uh, again using the word cinematic uh, in this in this guitar yeah. tones. And uh, I played it for a friend of mine who's a guitar player, and he's like, "What is?" What is that? What is going on? Yeah. And this yeah. access to this new, you know, all these the sonic sound that um, that guitar players can can make now is such a joy to, to hear. But it it's not in the traditional sense that it left so much room for these yeah. brilliant bass players to do something yeah. and then react. Yeah. Um, yeah. React from you rhythmically, but almost in in a in a in a sense, the freedom to create their own melodies. You know. Yeah, it was very special. Yeah. Yeah. And and we really wanted to give each one of them the freedom of approach, which echoes the one Alan gave me before. And uh, you know, a lot of things are are brought into this record from other periods of our life and other lessons, life learning lessons, and and benefits of and things that we've learned from playing with different people and stuff. And, and a great way to kind of invite everybody to a kind of reunion party as well, because there are guys there I haven't played with for years. So Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. It was a it was a nice thing. That's amazing. It's just too bad we couldn't have done it live. <laughs> hey, yeah. That's pandemics for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the rest of the year uh year look like? What's going on with you? Uh, well, um, we're going on tour halfway through November here in Europe with the um, Fourth Dimension Band, John, yep. with, with John McLaughlin and Etienne Mbappe and Ranjit Barat, and we're we've got a few dates lasting up to December beginning, and that's it for me for this year. Nice. So, so just take it easy. There are a few other things in life that need taken care of right now, so we're getting on with that and. Um, and uh, looking forward to a whole more opportunities to make more good music. Actually, we're trying to get the the, the trackers as a band to to do some dates, and we might have to get a keyboard player to really authentic you know, keep the music yeah. authentically attach, uh, uh, intact. Okay. Because uh, there's a lot of voices on there that Alf can't do with one guitar, so <laughs> <laughs> so we might try and find a way to do some gigs too, which would really satisfy us both. Yeah, it'd be great to great to go out and play that music live. Oh my gosh! You. Yeah, it would yeah. be it would be amazing. It would be amazing. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for your confidence on that. Well, Gary, I, yeah. I, I'm going to cut you loose, but I I, okay, I have so enjoyed speaking with you, and um, I, I've been listening to you for for decades, and will continue on. And, and oh, I just the benefit of of having a podcast is be able to to interact with players like never before. And um, so I, this is just one of the things that brings me great wow. joy, and, and I hope that, that uh, our listeners feel that as well. Well, I'm disappointed we didn't talk about you more often, but I'm really, really <laughs> grateful for the... For the <laughs> no, no, for people the, don't need to hear that. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. know enough. They know enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're getting to know because of the, 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 the great podcast you're hosting, which is wonderful when people do that. I wish I could do that. Well, it's it's I've enjoyed listening to your interviews with Sarah and Mike. I encourage people to to check them out. But yeah. uh, but Gary, thank you again. Have a beautiful day, and um, I'll be in touch. Thank you so much, man. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thank you. We'll see you. Bye bye. Yep. So there you have it. My conversation with drummer and keyboard player and composer and producer. Gary Husband. I've been a fan of his for so long. One of the things on my outline I wanted to talk to Gary about was his unique voice. When I hear him, I know it's him. 
I feel like there's fewer and fewer of those unique voices in our community. I'm not sure why, but Gary is just a great example of it. And I think you can guess why his voice is so unique, whether it's tuning, his approach, his background. But uh, it, he's just one of my favorites, and uh, he goes into that category of when I hear him, I know who it is, and uh, so many of my favorites are that type of flair. I also wonder if that's what stands out to you as well. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with drummer Willie Rodriguez. He's based in New York City. He's also on the most recent Mars Volta recording. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Everyone stay safe, stay sane. And I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.